This is the Rolling with Tay podcast. I'm your host, Tasia, a.k.a. Tay, and this is episode 13. And this is actually being recorded on the 13th. Um, it won't be released on the 13th, but <laughs> it is still special. <laughs> and I've been recording for a year. That's crazy. I've, I've been doing my podcast for a year. So this is big. This is a big episode. And, of course, I have Mo. Oh, man. Um no pressure. Special, special, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Special thanks to you for being a guest on my podcast. I appreciate that. Welcome. I appreciate you. Humbled to be here. Um, and you're a part of okay. You're a part of quite a few clubs here. You're part of the New York Cycling Club, uh, mm-hmm. Rafa Cycling Club, Major mm-hmm. Taylor Iron Rider Cycling Club, and last mm-hmm. but not least, Cycling Fanatics. Should I say NYC New York? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny we we've grown a little bit outside of the the metropolitan area, but uh, yeah, CFNY, that's the family. Nice, nice. Again, welcome to my podcast. Thank you, thank you, and congratulations on making a year. That's a big deal. Ah, oh, thank you, and, thank you. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't really think it was Friday the thirteenth. So now, now I'm nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's get into it. Tell me your story. How did you get into this? How did you become a cycling fanatic overall? And then, you know, your cycling journey. Yeah. Uh, wow. That can get kind of deep for me, but, uh, I've, I've loved bikes as long as I can remember. And, uh, and I, and I have a relationship with bikes that I think comes from a lot of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, you know, some people are in it from this angle or that angle and they don't really see or appreciate the other side. Um, but I think my journey has been sort of interesting. So I, um, I grew up a uh, son of, uh, you know, some poor immigrants on Chicago's South side. And my parents were like super conservative, you know, they were like study, 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 you know, there's just typical stereotypical immigrant parents right like nothing matters but studying you don't need friends you know everyone's out to to get you because they're bringing over that mentality from you know the homeland mm-hmm. where i'm you know either they're crazy or everyone was out to get you <laughs> but uh <laughs> i'll never forget my first experience with the bicycle was was getting a hand-me-down bike and uh i think about it you know to this day it was like you know was i so so um you know, so conservatively restrained from doing a lot of fun things that this bike blew my mind, but I must've been like five, six years old. And and a friend of my father's brought like a hand-me-down bike and I got on it and it was just like the best feeling in the world. I felt like I was flying an F-15, right? (laughs) Something something I say to this day, it was like, you know, when every time I get on a bike, it, it feels like I'm a dog that gets to go outside. And so I don't know if I was just deprived as a child or if I was, you know, cycling was just always <laughs> passionate and resonated with me, but that that's such a profound memory for me. Yeah. And then throughout my life, uh, I've always just had a, you know, affinity for riding a bike, right? So I, would, I wouldn't, I would you know, have particularly nice bikes or anything like that, but I would always be riding, right? If mm-hmm. I get by close as a teenager, you think about how practical it is, right? It's like, I don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how am I going to get around? I don't have money for a car. I don't even have money for gas. don't even have money for bus fare. So, uh, you know, it was like, it was a cool way to get around. And then after a while, I saw that that was stretching, right? So Chicago's pretty flat without knowing. You can go from like the south side to the north side and end up in the suburbs. And 
So I kind of got into this routine. I'd take a basketball, kind of jam it under my uh, top tube, mm-hmm. you know, and awkwardly ride around, bar hop. It was kind of social riding, you know, stuff like that. And then, you know, the older you get, money becomes more important. So I eventually became a, a bicycle courier in Chicago and, uh, you know, started riding to actually pay the bills. <laughs> so yeah. that was like my relationship with cycling changed again. It wasn't even for pleasure at that point. Although I will say, that was probably the most fun job I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it was hard. Yeah, I'd be exhausted at the end of the day, but it was, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was just a thrill. It was a joy every minute mm-hmm. of it. The challenge and the adrenaline and, you know, getting hit by cabs and all that. Oh, no. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, I started to find other work uh, and got into sort of the commute lifestyle, right? So mm-hmm. it came back to being a little bit more practical and getting a little bit of exercise and always kind of riding around but I didn't really know much about bikes. I didn't really have a particularly nice bike. You know, even though I was a courier, I didn't really get into the fixie scene. Mm-hmm. Kind of had upright hybrid sort of bikes. And I just ride around comfortable and just log miles. I didn't understand how a derailleur worked. No sort of mechanics or anything like that. But it was just something that really, like my heart just connected to it. I just love riding bikes. And I was kind of like the bike dude without being the bike dude, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I didn't have the ego. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the, you know, the, the, the knowledge of mechanicals or different types of bikes or geometries. I never had drop handlebars. I didn't wear the, the spandex, none of that. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of kept going on for a while. And, you know, I'll spare you some details, but I've, I've moved kind of all around the country for work. Uh, and you know, I would commute. So flash forward, you know, I moved from Chicago to Hawaii and then eventually here in New York city and in New York city, I was, uh, riding my bike as a commuter. So at the time I was kind of like, there's a lot of things I didn't understand about New Yorkers at the time. I, I made fun of y'all. So I apologize for that. But <laughs> <laughs> one okay. of them, one of them was, well, how the hell do people pay that much in rent, <laughs> you know? And so I found a spot that was out in like Ridgewood, Bushwick. Uh, between the L and the M and I would ride my bike from there to Midtown every day mm-hmm. and that was fine and dandy uh, lo and behold little did I know 12 months later I'm like take all my money I want to live close to the subway <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, I, get, I get it now uh, but but anyway so I was commuting and I you know sort of started climbing or, or reaping the benefits of you know a lifelong career working my ass off to get yes. a better job to get better pay to so on and so forth uh, and I eventually was kind of like, life is short, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. Uh, I had some health conditions in the past. God is good. I passed through all that, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I was kind of like, life is short, man. And I love cycling so much. Uh, maybe I should just buy a really, really nice bike, you know, and, uh, growing up poor and like kind of being new to even having disposable income, I guess. I was hurting for like three years on this decision, right? I'm looking at carbon fiber bikes and like, I don't really know geometry. I'm not, you know, cycling is complicated and it can yes. be intimidating. And, uh, and I could just never really pull the trigger on anything. Right. And then eventually um, I met a guy who was telling me, you know, I was telling him the same story about all this. Right. And he's like, it's like, yo, get a titanium bike, bro. You know, they're every bit is, they're almost every bit is, you know, light and nimble as a, as a carbon fiber bike, which isn't exactly true, but they're, they're extremely light, best of both worlds. And uh, he said, you'll give it to your grandkids. 
So given my history and not knowing how to do bike maintenance, knowing I'm sort of a rough and tumble rider, right? I'm 225 pounds. I fly through the city. I cut off buses. I bump into things, you know, I'm like, I don't want to spend, you know, three, $4,000 on a really thin plastic bike that, mm -hmm. you know, sure. You can lecture me and say carbon fiber is going to be just as strong if you ride it properly. But there's no way you're going to tell me that when I accidentally run into that fire truck, <laughs> it's going to be as strong as a metal bike. Right? So, anyway, he told me that. And about a week later, I bought my, my first road bike, drop handlebars, titanium, it, it, you know, $4,000. I think I went in and I was like, this is the most money I've ever spent on anything. <laughs> this Ooh. is the nicest thing I own. This is amazing. Right. And, and with it, uh, I bought a, a mechanics manual. Mm -hmm. And I sort of made a conscious decision. It was like, you know, this is the nicest thing I own. I got to be able to take care of this, my baby. You know, I don't want to do what I've always done, which is kind of ignore maintenance until it gets so bad that you take it to a shop and then they do whatever they do. It's like, I want to know yeah. when something very minor goes wrong, I want to fix it before it gets worse. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is my baby. You know? And, uh, and so that was sort of an interesting thing, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you know, it's like it's the most expensive thing I ever bought. And, and I was like opining over it for three, four years. And I finally bought it. And it was like, okay, I justified that expense, right? Cycling's expensive, but I spent my money. I'm in, I'm done. Yeah, little did I know how cycling <laughs> actually works, right? Exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> so, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, uh, you know, I got my bike. This is dope. Da, da, da. And he's like, yeah, you know, uh, when does it come? And it showed up. And I'm like, yo, my, my bike doesn't have pedals. He's <laughs> like, yeah, man, nice bikes don't come with pedals, bro. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, okay. So then I start looking. I say, yeah, send him a link. I think I'm going to buy these pedals. He's like, yo, you, you got a nice bike, man. You can't put those those shitty pedals on that nice bike. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So I buy some nice pedals, you know? And I'm like, oh, I guess I need some shoes. I send him a link. It's like, oh, you can't have those, those shoes, man. Those shoes are no good. You can't have those, those shitty shoes on those nice pedals on that nice bike. <laughs> And so anyway, I finally get all that together and I go out to Prospect Park. It's right up the street from me here. And I ride my bike in the loop and it just blew my mind. Uh, you know, uh, you probably too young to remember uh, a movie Days of Thunder about stock cars. But, you know, it's like Lightning McQueen out there doing around that little lap. Mm -hmm. Just like flying up behind people and passing them. And, you know, I like driving fast. I got a lead foot. So just being on a bike and feeling that fast was a completely new new feeling to me, right? Because I had been getting my workouts and riding hard, but I was on these big, heavy, mm -hmm. you know, non-aerodynamic, they just weren't road bikes. And so that taste for speed, I mean, it's hilarious. We used to we used to beat up people in spandex in high school, and then next thing you know, I'm like dressed like a superhero <laughs> riding through <laughs> New York City, like, wee! But it like absolutely changed my life. And then, uh, uh, you know, I think I've put on, I'm, I'm about 20,000 miles in since that, that's 28, 2018. And so that, that mechanics manual, right, uh, comes into handy because, uh, you know, I bought a bike with a lower group set and kind of really cheap wheels. And I knew that at the time that I wanted to sort of upgrade, right? I wanted to learn and upgrade and, and maybe it's not the most cost effective way, but it's a way that you really learn a lot of stuff. And I mm -hmm. kind of got that mind for it. So I eventually moved, I bought a frame set for a gravel bike pretty early on and I moved my group set to that and I bought a DI2 and just started really getting into it. 
And now, you know, through a lot of trial and error, don't get me wrong, you got to buy the tools and then you do something wrong. You got to do it again. There's so much time you put into. But I feel like I run a sort of junior bike shop in my house now. You know, it's not uncommon for a mechanic at a shop to call me and maybe ask me if I had a certain tool. Wow. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, it's like, oh, okay. Uh, and that that's really notable to me because I remember going back to childhood memories. I can kind of remember my brother having a 10-speed bike. And I thought it looked so cool. And he, you know, I had a little PTSD. He yelled at me. He pointed at like the de derailleur in the cassette in the rear. It's like, don't ever touch this. It's so complicated and expensive. You'll never understand it. Just don't touch it. You mess it up. And uh, I just, I think part of that is why I never really, I was always intimidated by how a derailleur worked and just basic mechanics. So mm -hmm. sort of, sort of interesting that now, you know, I, I can build them up from scratch pretty good. I help people troubleshoot stuff and try to pay it forward. You know, you get the tools and you get the skills. And then, you know, there's a couple of things. Like one guy told me, he said, you know, you've done all the work that you need to do. So I kind of, I built up the road bike. I built up the gravel bike. I recently built up a track bike. Like everything I did was sort of sequential. I restored a, a vintage mm. steel bike. I pulled the bike out the trash and fixed it up. And, and he's like, okay, so now you just got to go and, and help other people, right? That's how you get experiences. Like yeah. bring all their weird issues and quirks. And then you say, I spent a hundred bucks on this tool. If I go to the shop to do the thing the tool does, you know, it's like 50 bucks. I got to go twice for it to pay for itself. But it's almost like each tool is worth, you know, it pays for itself more the more you use it. Mm -hmm. And so you might as well benefit by by helping other people and, and getting all that stuff out there. Um, and so, yeah, 20,000 miles in, I, I, I joined these cycling clubs here in New York. Um, and I find that cycling is just such a phenomenal way. So I'm a, I'm a transplant. Cycling is such a phenomenal way to get to know the area mm -hmm. um, and the people. But but you get to know the area. I say that, like, you know, walking is really intimate, but it's really slow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Driving is really fast, but it's not intimate at all. Like, you don't get right. to see all the shops on the block or see what's going on in every corner. And cycling is like this perfect middle ground where you can cover enough ground, but you're not going so fast that you, you you're unable to take it in. So mm -hmm. I can go and see, oh, there's a little club here. That bar looks nice. There's a little antique store, this, you know, and you can just stop whenever and kind of check stuff out. So between joining these groups and, uh, and, and riding around. So I started to learn like, okay, that's, that's Long Island city and that's Hell's Kitchen. And that's, you know, these are the little turns and quirks and sort of learning shortcuts and learning neighborhoods and their characteristics. In a lot of ways, I feel like, uh, I'm starting to feel like I know New York City, and I'm a little bit of a history buff, right? I, I like analyze all sorts sorts of facts about things, but uh, I feel like in a lot of ways I know New York City better than a, a fair amount of New Yorkers I've met. <laughs> you probably do. So, <laughs> <laughs> which, like you know, New Yorkers kind of live in a bubble, which I'm starting to be one, right? I, live, I was like, oh yeah, you you're in the Bronx. I could get up there, you know, that's like a quick train ride, about an hour, no problem. And then uh, you know. Two years later, I'm like, I don't leave a three block radius. <laughs> exactly. But, but see, that's what you're right about that with cycling. I lived in the Bronx my whole life, but didn't really know these certain neighborhoods until I started riding a bike. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this. Oh, we have a, a, a block named this or, oh, this is where this is. And like it opened my mind. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And then even even to take that step, that point a little bit further um the last year like the last eight months or so I find myself I 
hate to say it, but like a little bored, right? I find myself a little bored by riding the same roads all the time. So I've just made it a point. You know, I ride from, let's say I commute to Midtown from from, uh, Fort Greene, downtown Brooklyn, every day. And I pretty much take the same route every day. And so about eight months ago, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to turn here. (laughs) See what's down there. And so I just started making it a point to go down every road I, I have never been down. Sort of similar, you may have seen someone um, Someone was in the news recently for riding all the streets in Brooklyn. And uh, I started sort of the same quest. So I've done 33% of Kings County, I think, without even uh-huh. trying. And so this summer, I'm going to try to like hit every side road and every, because it's just, it's, it's all about new roads and adventure for me. Yeah. Now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only so many times you can go around Prospect Park. I mean, I've done 100 miles on a three-mile loop. <laughs> yeah. And then even Prospect Park, to your point. You know, I got a gravel bike, right? So you can go off the trail or off the the paved loop into the the dirt trails. And the park suddenly seems so much bigger. So it's just kind of like, you know, life's an adventure. Let's go soak it up. So I've been doing a lot more travel riding and and just trying to meet up with new people in in new streets. So like like I was saying, joining the clubs, Rafa, RCC, um, met more people, right? So then you get to meet people, you're making friends because, you know, I didn't grow up here. All my friends are back home in Chicago or... You know, the friends that I made in Hawaii, I left them too. I keep moving, coming to cities where I don't know anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Cycling has been that great sort of connector where you just fall into a healthy activity, get to know a new area and meet a bunch of people. So it's been, it's been really good. And and that sort of dovetailed into, into the cycling fanatics piece. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had joined, you know, Rafa kind of off the bat, they have a good, uh, the reason I joined them is they do a bike hire program. So you can rent a bike pretty easily. Oh, okay. And uh, going back and forth to Chicago and other places, uh, it was just a good deal. So that's mm-hmm. why I signed up. But I think that uh, as I signed up for all these groups, me not seeing myself, shame on me, right? Uh, as a cyclist, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> uh, I think it was mildly intimidating, right? I think, I think that their his cycling, in my experience, has had barriers to entry for people like me. And I would say that even, you know, some of that's self-inflicted, right? It's like a, a insecurity thing on my part to some extent. But I also think groups didn't really, and, and we could talk about this in a minute, I think it's, they're trying to change that yeah. uh, a lot these days. But even even four years ago, I don't think groups really tried to be inclusive and i'm not really just talking about you know uh racial lines or, or socioeconomic things i just mean in general mm-hmm. um you know it, it, it's just like not just like very clickish and, and, and a lot yeah. of ego involved and mm-hmm. and and you know it's it, it's intimidating when you see people with you know a ten thousand dollar bike and like matching spandex superhero uniforms and they're all over there and you're like, Hey guys, I'm going to ride my bike. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not the most welcoming vibe, you know? And, and I will say, and I've said this twice, I'll say it again. You know, some of it's in our own heads, right? Where we, we doubt ourselves and like, Oh, we don't belong. Sure. Granted, that's a piece of it. But what was interesting to me is as I did all this stuff to join these groups, uh, I found this group of people on the internet. Uh, you know, I think I was looking at the NYC Century Ride and uh, I was on the internet and there was like a, a forum and people were talking about it. And uh, and then somebody was like, hey, I'll, I'll invite you to this WhatsApp group. And I popped in the group um, 
And I think you were probably in there at the time, but I popped into the group and, uh, and it was just a bunch of people talking about cycling, right? We're going to go ride the bikes over here. It was just, you know, a group chat. Everybody's mm-hmm. got ten, 10 of them these days. No big deal. <laughs> right. And, and uh, there was a couple things notable about this one. So a, you know, I'm sort of a computer nerd, awkward dude. So that was, that was just my vibe as chat rooms and group chats anyway. So I'm, I'm comfortable in that sort of environment. And, uh, but, but notably, me being new and having this voracious hunger for information, it was like such a resource to me to just be like, hey, what's an Ultegra? And I'm like, I was talking about all the trial and error on the mechanic mm-hmm. stuff, right? So I'm on, I'm on the YouTube a little bit, which I think is kind of cool. I'm on the book, right? The book gives you five different types of breaks. So it gives you like this big overview. But then when you want to know what exactly you want to do with a specific thing, I'll go on YouTube and watch a specific video for that. But then there's always questions, right? You, you need a mentor. You need someone to, to, to ask. And so I'd just be in that chat and I'd say, hey, you know, my brake hose is doing this thing and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or I'm thinking about buying this. I want to upgrade. What What's an Ultegra? And just really peppering that chat room with questions while people are joking and goofing off and whatever, riding. Uh, I learned so much. I mean, it's unreal how much I learned about bicycle mechanics, shopping, gear, that sort of stuff. And then eventually routes, right? Because a lot of that stuff, uh, a lot of the chatter in the in the chat, which was its primary goal, I think, was just to get people organized to meet up for rides. So it's, hey, who's doing the NYC Century? Let's go meet up and blah, blah, blah. And so so I, I met a great group of people. Turned out to be a lot of people from Brooklyn there, mm-hmm. which uh, which is where I live. And got a lot of information. So it kind of became a really, it was like a big part of my community. Like daily, probably, I'm in there talking to folks who's riding in the park, who's going to 9W, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. going to Jamaica Bay. You know, it was just always this this whole vibe. And the reason I mention it is because I distinctly remember one day being like, you know, I'm in RCC, I'm in Major Taylor, you know, I'm in NYCC. And no knock on any of those groups, right? I mean... Major Taylor sent an email, come come meet us at Strictly, we're going to Bear Mountain, and NYCC has a big ride library, and, you know, RCC has their app of their rides, but I distinctly remember feeling like I had these options to go on all these different rides on the same day with all these different clubs, but my vibe and my heart was really with the, the people in this chat that I had been talking to, right, like mm-hmm. establishing relationships, I know all these people a little bit more intimately, and uh, I was just kind of like, wow, like I think I, I prefer to ride with them. <laughs> so you, you take away sort of the, the cachet, right? The, the swag that you get with like, I'm on a rapper ride. <laughs> you know, I, I'm on this Major Taylor ride because, you know, you say you're riding with Major Taylor and everyone's like, whoa, those dudes yeah. are fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> those are fast boys over there, right? Fast boys and girls. And so, so it was almost like, you know, I didn't really care about that sort of level of, uh, you know, swag to be riding with these known groups as much as, you know, I'm gonna ride with these guys because they're fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, flash forward, and, and and this is sort of what ties into sort of my role at, at Cycling Fanatics, I guess, is flash forward, I was kind of like, look, guys, I got a tech background. And, and I really think that we have something special here. And especially four years ago, and now it might be a little bit different. And I think about that a lot. But four years ago, I was kind of like, look, guys, I think you know, all the groups I ride with, this is the most inclusive and welcoming just off the bat, right? There's no fees. There's no big logo or website to make you think that it's something official and scary. It's, you know, just low barrier, casual, chill, 
vibe for everybody. Um, and everyone here uh, really comes from a different socioeconomic background in, in a really unique way. It kind of reminds me of, of, of a certain neighborhood in, in Chicago mm-hmm. um, where, you know, most of Chicago is really segregated, but there's one particular neighborhood that I spent a lot of time in growing up where it was really diverse. And so you just look around at some of the rides we were on and we'd be like, wow, man, that's a 20 year old uh, Chinese immigrant dude. And that's a, 60 year old <laughs> white guy that grew up in Jersey and you know everything in between I mean I've had a ride where a, uh, an investment banker from France turned to me and he was like wow you know that guy he's a he's a doorman a concierge at a building uptown he's so cool man this is awesome and uh so you got the socioeconomic diversity yeah you got people on nice bikes really nice bikes but they're not, there's no, there's no ego with it. Right. So it's like that, what I was telling you, you got the guys in spandex with the bikes. I think we would go out and look that part, but then you get to talking to people and they're like, wow, these guys are super chill. Uh, And then you got the knowledge. Right. So I was like, you know what guys, I think what we should do is, you know, let's, let's get a website. Let's publish a calendar. Let's put up a website and uh, let's try to build out the chat room a little bit and just promote what we're doing here. I was like this, this has been so instrumental to me mm-hmm. in my cycling journey that I think that other people could benefit from this if only they knew it was out there, right? If it's just some chat room, it's probably not going to get as much traction. Let's put up a website. So at the time, we were just uh, posting rides, community rides on the on the website, Escape New York or Thursday Night Social Ride, whatever it was. Uh, but it would just be a place for people to know where they could go meet up with other people. And if yeah. you wanted to chat about bikes, you could join our chat room. And and that was kind of a, a, a semi-controversial thing, I think, at the time. <laughs> Why are you doing all this? What is all this? You know, people kind of liked it the way it was or whatever have you. But it's really been a good thing to see it blow up to 300 some odd members. And, you know, you see stickers around town. People are like, I know who you are and, and so on and so forth. And then, you know, COVID-19 hit and uh, all the organized rides stopped. Mm-hmm. right and so that got kind of weird for us because we before that we would do our little rides but we didn't really consider them to be you know rides that we publish and lead and organize not at that kind of level right it'd be like hey Tay, you want to go ride hey ivan let's go do this you know on saturday mm-hmm. so with covid kind of putting the kibosh and all the, the stuff that was on the calendar you know we started posting rides a little bit more uh a little bit more organized so we would, we would create the route, publish the route to the calendar, post it on the Instagram, tell people to come meet up, just communicating a little bit better. And so that was kind of a nice thing because um, we're just a collective of folks, right? Mm-hmm. Pe- people ask me if I'm the founder, if I'm the president, are you the leader, you know? And, uh, you know, I think in some ways you could say I'm the de facto leader because I'm just like, I'm going to step up and do these sort of things. Mm-hmm. But we don't have a board of directors. We don't have a president and vice president. We don't have a lot of structure. We only have two rules, right? Love bikes, don't be an asshole. And so uh, it's a community where anyone can volunteer to step up and do anything they want. So the, the, the engine is there, the website, the calendar, the branding. And it's like, what do you want to make of it? If your interest is gravel riding, then you can carve out a little gravel riding program and put it under this umbrella of what we're doing. If you want to do road riding or you want to do mechanic workshops, or you want to, you want to find like-minded people in the cycling space. We're just kind of a hub for that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's a little awkward, right? Because, you know, 
not everybody wants to do extra work. People are busy. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but I just, I try to post things up the best I can. And then people step up from time to time. They say, Hey, I designed a Jersey. We designed a kit for this year. You want to run with that for 2022? And oh, that's cool. Or someone will design some graphics or, you know, have some ideas about an event or a route. And so it's kind of this organic thing that, that uh, it's, it oscillates, right? It goes up and down season by season, you know, just like life. Yeah. Someone will move away. Someone will get less interested in cycling. Some new people will come with some fresh ideas. And so it's been really interesting to judge how the group is doing because every year is just kind of different. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what are we doing this year? Who's doing what? And so I think it's a cool place for people to get involved uh, if they want to. And it's a welcome place. You know, sometimes I say it's a feeder group that makes some people angry, but it's a great place for people <laughs> to get, get their feet wet, you know? Some people want to do race team stuff, right? And and that's fine too. And if you want to do a CF race team, you know, give us a call. You can set up a CF race team for all I care. Um, but I think that from my perspective, there's race teams everywhere, yeah. right? There's clubs with organized rides everywhere. And what makes us sort of unique is the vibe of just being organic and chill and going with the flow and not really stressing so much about who we are and just being ourselves, which has kind of been a really nice thing. Um, and so it's funny, I kind of remember you, 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 I think it were in cycling fanatics before I was. <laughs> I, I, I did go on a few rides, but I guess before, like <laughs> in the early days. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to bring that up, did you? <laughs> I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. You were lurking. A little bit. Yeah, I, I was. In the early days, but I mean, it's it's really interesting, right? Because you have a great perspective, I think, of, of how things have grown and changed. Yeah. Because um, it was really just a bunch of knuckleheads, right? Just kind of goofing off. <laughs> yeah. <say> the least. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely, like, the rides were definitely fun. I didn't feel any type of way. Um, uh, if I was falling behind, people waited. It was, it was, it was cool. I had a good time. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just the reason I, I give pause a little bit is because as we've grown, we've grown alongside a global effort to decrease or allegedly is where I'm gonna get myself in trouble. <laughs> allegedly <laughs> decrease the douchebaggery in cycling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So so four years ago, I think the landscape was very different from how it is today. Yeah. And so there's there's a lot of lot of components behind that. Um, you know, one is the social justice movement for racial equality, right? So everyone's like, we want to have more brown people. Uh, Rafa's posters got brown people and everybody's got brown people. Blah, 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 blah. The other thing is you have, again, I guess, out of that social movement, a beautiful thing where you're seeing a lot of, of cycling clubs grow up and blossom mm-hmm. uh, as of 2020, um, you know, in areas and, and, and demographics that are generally not thought about when you think about cycling. Like in Brooklyn alone, there's, you know, probably six or seven. And the funny thing about that is people make comments like, oh, you guys were around before 2020? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you're you're an OG group. I <laughs> <laughs> guess we were cycling before it was cool. But, uh, but, but, but yeah, so you see a lot of initiatives for, uh, you know, skin color diversity. You see a lot of initiatives for economic diversity, you'll see a lot of initiatives to promote women, women being included in cycling. And I think you didn't have quite as much of that. And it's hard for me to say that with conviction because I, you know, I'm sort of new to the game. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting where in 2017, 
I would have told you, hey, Cyclone Fanatics is really special because we bring all this stuff to the table that I don't really see other people bringing to the table. And in 2022, I think I have to answer that question a little bit differently. I think about it a little bit more. People are like, well, what makes, what, what is Cyclone Fanatic? Why are y'all special? Mm-hmm. We say, oh, well, we're trying to be inclusive and blah, 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 blah. And everyone's like, yeah, well, we are too. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. I get it. So there's just kind of an interesting thing there. And I sometimes question like, where do we even fit in anymore? Because when I look at all these beautiful groups that my, my brothers and sisters are putting up all the way from the Bronx to Brooklyn, I mean, a lot of it is very similar to the stuff that we've been trying to do, period. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I do add as a layer onto that is some groups that represent diversity in cycling, and they do very much represent diversity in the larger cycling diaspora. Um, you know, the groups themselves on a micro level aren't very diverse, which is to say, like I was talking about Chicago being sort of separated, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll have a a group of uh, Latin American cyclists that represent diversity in cycling. But if you look at the group itself, the group's all Latin American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a group of African-American cyclists that represent diversity in cycling, and yes, they do, but the group itself is predominantly African-American. And so to me, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, because these are all different building blocks, and it's huge progress because the groups were all historically Anglo-European, Right. And you wouldn't see anything else but groups of of Caucasian people. Uh, So it's a beautiful thing to see that stuff. But I think that, you know, we're just a little bit different because you look at our group and depending on the day, like you couldn't put a bead on. I think the closest you can get, we got a bunch, we got a bunch of Asians uh, lately. I've had someone ask me, oh, you guys are that Asian group, huh? (laughs) But but, uh, I think on, on most days, there's just a variety of just different people, right? It's, it's, it's hard to get a big number or a clump or a majority of, of, of what it is. So I really think that that's a beautiful thing. But like I said, I think what we're trying to do is no longer terribly special. So I question that sometimes myself, but, uh, but I still think that, you know, every time I question it, uh, someone comes up to me on a ride or something. They're just like, yo, I'm so glad I found you guys. This is exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> it's kind of like, I'm not really sure what that means, but it feels really good to hear it. You know, it's like, <laughs> And it always seems, I, I, you know, not to get all religious, but I feel like the universe is really in tune. It always seems to hit at the time I need to hear it the most, mm-hmm. where I'm kind of down and questioning things. And I'm like, you know, it's tough trying to trying to get people together and, and, and lead, right? Leaders always are, are subjecting themselves to criticism. It's much mm-hmm. easier to play the wall and criticize than it is to make a decision. Yeah, it is. And so whenever I'm feeling a little down and I'm like, we don't charge dues. We don't make any money. Like, I'm a busy dude. <laughs> Why am I putting so much time and energy into this? It's kind of questioning the mission. Someone comes up and says something that just, like, they're so appreciative and genuine from their heart. It just recharges my batteries and, like, my sense of commitment to kind of keep going. Um, but yeah, like where we're headed, I'm not sure. You know, we're just, a, a, the more and more I think about it, we're just sort of an open hub. You know, we moved from the WhatsApp to a Discord server. And in the Discord server, there's uh, channels. So each channel, you know, one for mechanic questions, one yeah. for training questions, one for bike packing, one for nutrition, one for whatever have you. And Discord, I think it, more and more people know of it every day. It's kind of like, the de facto chat community for uh, 
Gen Z, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, when we were moving from Westside, there was a big debate. Like, we should use Slack. And I'm like, you know, Slack's for old folks, bro. <laughs> um, but the Discord's got 350 people in it now. Wow. And so lately, I'm just kind of pushing that as like, hey, you know, we're just a hub. Like, if, yeah. if no one wants to carve out and be a ride leader or carve out a training program or carve out a piece to be whatever they want it to be, then the nucleus just is, right? Uh, it's a place for people to be whatever they want to be. And I used to, I was laughing, I used to go into the different channels and try to keep conversations going, right? Like, oh, yeah, this is an old tech. I'll go here and answer a question. I'll go in there and answer a question. I kind of felt the need to keep some momentum going. And it's grown to the point where, like, I can go days without saying anything in there. People mm-hmm. pop in, they're talking to one another. It's just, it's a beautiful thing to see. And so, I think it has a life of its own and, and, you know, you think about legacy and stuff like that. It's like, I'm pretty proud of the stuff that we did to kind of create a community. I like to think that, uh, you know, God forbid, if I disappeared, if I died today, you know, that stuff will still kind of live on and be an important piece and hopefully, you know, contribute a lot of value uh, as a resource for other people as it did for me for years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's what cycling as like for me, joining these cycling clubs and going on these different rides and building these communities with this one thing that we share in common is cycling. And then we find out we have other things in common, but it, what joins us together is this cycling, um, our love for cycling. And I, I think that's so dope. And I think what you guys are doing and what you guys have done is dope. I always see, um, the, uh, you guys post rides on Strava too. And I feel bad because I'm like, dang, I would get them like, oh, we're, ha- we're having a ride here. And I get an invite. I'm like, dang, I can't go. Or <laughs> like, oh, man. Because I felt, because honestly, like when I get that, I feel special that you even, I mean, I'm sure y'all just, just click on everybody who's following the page or whatever, but it feels like kind of special. Like, dang, I got invited to this, the Cycling Fanatics. Like, to me, you guys are a big deal. Like you, know, you guys are special. You you are special, Tay. You are absolutely special. So I'm like, oh man, y'all doing laps in Central Park at six a.m. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go, but thank you for inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Prospect Park. Oh, not W. Oh, this. Thank you, and guys. It's, it's funny you say that, right? Because I think, and this is where philosophies differ sometimes, right? And 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 this is where cycling gets really, really ill to me. Mm-hmm. Is I have a philosophy that um, the the more the merrier. Yeah. And just because you're inviting people doesn't mean you have to sacrifice what it is that you're trying to do. Right. So this is something Mm -hmm. I talk about a lot. Right. And it Mm -hmm. affects all sorts of cycling clubs. And I used to think that it was like a cycling fanatics thing. But the more and more I looked and learned about other groups and got involved in things, it was kind of like, you know, everybody has the same problem. The fast boys want to go fast mm-hmm. and they feel and they feel like everyone else is cramping their style. And I'm like, and, and, and so that, that leads them to be a little bit more secretive and clickish and less inclusive, right? It's like, oh, I don't want to post that on Strava because then, you know, Mo and Tay might show up and I'm, you know, I'm not sure they can keep up with us or mm-hmm. whatever it is they're thinking. Um, it's like, to me, I don't, I don't see it as zero sum, right? I, I don't, I don't. It's just like two completely different things. If you want to go out and say, I'm riding 27 miles per hour to Bear Mountain at 9 a.m., <laughs> I don't see any reason why you don't post that. 
Yeah. And if people people show up and and they say they want the smoke and they get dropped, and that's on them, <laughs> right? Like it's, you said what you were gonna do, you went out and did it. Like that's on them. That's not on you, right? And so I think that I that's where I spend a lot of my time and energy is like like I think a lot of people, and I don't want to say about other groups. I'm talking about my group right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people feel like they got to be real careful and cultivate who they invite to what. And it's not about like, oh, that person's a jerk or I don't like that person. In fact, I think it's for no good reason at all, right? It's like, oh, this is this, you know. And then you get the whispers, right? And so that was another thing about CF was um, for me, I love the hub as just an open place for discussion because I would Mm -hmm. find that seven different people who I would call friends, for example, on any given summer Saturday uh, are talking about riding bikes. And two of them are in a text chat with another two of them. And then three of them are in an Instagram chat. And then one of the dudes from the Instagram <laughs> and one of the dudes from the text chat are like in a WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah. And they're all sort of texting me individually, like, yeah, I'm about to go meet dude in this park. And then they're like, oh, dude's in that park. I'm going this way. And it's like, dude, you guys are all in Discord. Like, why are we communicating so inefficiently? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, like, I don't want to make presumptions, right? Like, is it ego and is it gatekeeping? Is it, uh, is it accidental and coincidental? Like, I don't know. But I just generally try to push all that stuff into one place because I feel like a- as someone who, you know, cycling is, is very much genetic based. You've got a genetic ceiling to how fast you're going to get, period. Mm-hmm. Cycling is very much lean towards smaller people. You know me, I'm kind of a heavy dude. Uh, and I feel like my biggest opportunities for growth are chasing after those people, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're young, you're younger, you're lighter, you're stronger, and I probably can't keep up with you. But where I'm really going to get good if I want to is trying to keep up with you. Yeah. And so, to some extent if you don't give me the opportunity to try to keep up with you, then I might not have that opportunity at all. Right. Yeah. And it's not about you waiting for me. Right. I, I'm hard headed. Like I know, I know when I'm in out of my depth and I'm committed, <laughs> like, if I'm swimming home alone, I'm swimming home alone, but I'm going to try to catch these dudes. Uh, but that's where that the most growth happens. And then it's sort of, sort of interesting. You watch people. Um, there's a lot of judgmentalness. I've watched people come in who, uh, who are gravel riders or city riders and they got their big heavy bikes and they're not wearing spandex. And I've watched the spandex guys throw their nose up to them. Right. Low key, you know, nothing, <laughs> nothing, but they're just, it's a vibe. Yeah, I'm, pretty, yeah. I'm pretty intuitive. I read between yeah. the lines. Yeah. But then a year later, the gravel dude on the city bike is in spandex on a new bike. And he's yeah. like the fastest of the roadie group now, mm-hmm. which is to say, and the example I call out is if you never gave that dude a chance because he didn't fit your mold, then you wouldn't have him in your circle of, of fast boy roadie riders, right? So it's like, it's like we shouldn't be so judgmental and gatekeep. There's a lot of gatekeeping in cycling. I think like it's got to be Shimano. No, it's got to be SRAM. It's got to be Garmin. Got to be Wahoo. It's like there's so much absolutism and bro science, and it's all about like that sort of cult behavior. So it, for me, it's about a culture of inclusiveness, allowing people to kind of find out where they fit in. Uh, but it's also a culture of open information. When people come in, I sort of get after them. I'm like, don't ask lazy questions. Don't come, don't come in the chat room with your research question being, 
what's better, Garmin or Wahoo? That's <laughs> 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 like, like I, I get on people. Like, it's a lazy question, man. Do your homework and come in with a specific question, like, can Wahoo do this thing I need or, or something like that? So, again, I'm being a little bit uh, long-winded here, but, you know, I think it's just that that's the core mission is just sort of that openness of, of everyone sort of sharing that information, whether it's information about how to fix your bike or what to buy or what to eat or how to train or just yeah. who's, who's riding where, mm-hmm. you know, uh, get in where you fit in. And so it's, it's sort of interesting to watch people dance that line of, of do we want to be a group type person or do we want to be a <laughs> solo type person? Yeah. And I'm like, if you want to be a solo type person, then, you know, why are you here? Go be solo, man. Streets is free. So uh, <laughs> it's just an interesting thing. But I love every minute of it. I love my brothers and sisters, you know. Uh, and we get we we get together and we grow. And, you know, you look back on it. It feels like I just started my cycling journey. But then I look and I'm like, wow, you know, it's been like five years. Mm-hmm. You know, and in, in that short period of time, people look at me like I've been doing it forever. Like the new people, the pandemic cyclists, they're like, oh, you're a mechanic and you got spandex and you're, wow. You know, and I tell them I just started, you know, a couple of years ago, a handful of years ago. Whoa, really? Mm-hmm. And it, I think a large part of that, I mean, obviously you have to have the personal drive to learn. Yeah. But a large part of that, I think, is cycling fanatics just being there as a resource for me. So that's why it's important to me to, to make sure other people that want to learn have it as a resource, too. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I say thank you, you know, because it's like our, our, our strength is us yeah so so anyone that says thanks for doing this it's like nah this is us this is you you're a part you're just as equally a part of it as everybody else right it doesn't work without without everyone in there so um you know my gratitude goes out to everybody who's who's let a ride or answered a question or you know just said hey let's meet up because you know without the people it's nothing that's all it is yeah yeah i agree with you I like the camaraderie. I like the community. I'm not going to lie. I definitely like cycling alone sometimes. But I also like cycling with a group of people. Like, they mm-hmm. each have their benefits. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just cycling alone. I'm just going. I'm just, maybe I need to clear my mind. Maybe um, just anything. I don't feel like talking. <laughs> I just want to ride. And in other days, I'm like, I want to ride with these people. I want to meet new people. Oh, I haven't seen these people in so long. It'd be great to ride with them. Oh, we're mm-hmm. going on this 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 journey. <laughs> it was great that I was with people versus being by myself. <laughs> right? I was scared. I've never been there before. What if right? something goes wrong? I'm a hundred miles away from home. Like I don't, you know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I get the best of both worlds, right? So, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a fat dude and I just try to chase the fast, the fast guys. And so I got the social aspect for a bit and then I get dropped and I spend all this time alone in my head. And, uh, <laughs> do my, do my best thinking. It's sort of amazing. Like, like how you tune out and then I'll just start thinking about like uh, a relationship I have with somebody and, you know, I've been trying to figure out how to improve something or how to talk to somebody about something and, I'll just be riding that bike zoning out and it just pops in my head out of nowhere. It's like the thinking that happens in that Zen state of being alone on the bike is just unreal. It's like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to ask my boss this about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really strange how that, that hits, but I hear you on the, you know, there's just pros and cons to everything. Yeah. Um, but I just, I look at it like, you know, it's an opportunity to, to share with people when, when it, when it clicks like that. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I go out and ride by myself whenever I want, but, 
but when people want to get together, like you said, they haven't seen guys in a while, and it's interesting in that chat now. We got people in Chicago in the chat. We got people in Delaware. <laughs> it's like it's bigger than New York and uh, and New Jersey all of a sudden. So, uh, and it's neat. Like when I drop in somewhere to to you know uh, go visit someplace, and I'm yeah. like, hey, hey, dude from the chat, you want to meet up? <laughs> yeah. Let's kind of turn into a, a nationwide network. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. Cycling has absolutely changed my life. I lost 41 pounds in the first mm. year of riding and yes. uh, just really found a, a, a network of people and friends. And, and it's a healthy habit, too. I remember, yeah. like I was telling you, to, to spend that money on that bike was sort of mind-blowing. And I basically stopped drinking and, and clubbing. <laughs> uh which you know that's expensive you know, it I mean, is go out every friday and saturday that's a lot of money you know you think it's a hundred dollars here two hundred dollars there but then you know over 12 months i probably saved some money with this bike yeah <laughs> and uh and got my health in order so it's just it's been a really beautiful thing and a huge part yeah. of my life and i'm excited to see where we go from here that's really dope and and i'll tell you another thing well, I don't, I don't drink or really go out like that. But <laughs> when I do go out, I'm like, dang, I got to leave because I got to be up early <laughs> to go yeah. on that ride. Yeah. So it kind of, <laughs> like, so that drinking and all that, you probably be like, damn, I got to, all right, this, this definitely has to be the last one because I have to be up at six for a ride at seven. That's right. That's right. It's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a choice for sure. And for a while, you know, rock star lifestyle. I'm like, I'm doing both. I would go out and do these centuries on like three hours of sleep. Yeah, I'm I'm a night owl, right? So it's, that's one thing about cycling that's been really hard for me. Is uh, you know, I just waking up early has never really been something I've excelled at. <laughs> so, so I would go out and do these rides, and I'm I'm gonna do a little shout out here. I'm not an ambassador. I'm not sponsored, but uh, I got I got one of those Aura rings, mm-hmm. and, I, and I wear it when I sleep. And it basically gives me like a sleep score and a readiness score when I wake up in the morning. So I used to, me and a couple of my friends kind of similarly, rock star lifestyle, we'd party and stay up or just stay up, whatever. And then 6 a.m. they're like, yeah, we're rolling. We got to be at Strictly by seven. And uh, we'd slog through it and we'd do 100, 120 miles and just kind (laughs) of feel like crap (laughs) all day long. And, uh, And anyway, this ring, sort of changed my behavior last year so the ring i'd wake up at six it's giving it gives you a score zero to 100 i'm not sure if you're familiar it's based on your heart heart rate variability real fascinating stuff i mean some people say it's voodoo science but if i drink a beer before i go to bed it tells me that i didn't sleep as well and, and mm. real interesting stuff it's like you ate late last night didn't you i'm like how did you know <laughs> uh but uh you know i'd wake up with the low sleep score so it, zero to a hundred. And, you know, if I, if I didn't get a lot of sleep, it, it'd be in the sixties, fifties, something like that. And so in the last few months I made a, a decision. I was like, you know what? I love my homies, but I'm going to sleep two more hours if the ring tells me to. Yeah. And I might miss that ride to bear mountain, but I woke up at eight o'clock and then my score would be in the nineties mm-hmm. and I'd ride around the city and I just feel much better about, about things. So not to sidetrack too far onto that sort of stuff, but just making better decisions for myself. Like you said, you're watching how many beers you're drinking. You're watching how late you're going out. And and so uh, just being smarter about setting yourself up for success has been like a really important thing for me this past year. It's just like recovery and all that. It gets harder every year. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. can push yourself through it. There's a reason I look like I'm 65 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hitting 40. It's like, uh, you know, it's because I party too hard. I don't care about that recovery stuff. So I'm, I'm changing that up this year for sure. Yeah, that's good. And that's really important. Like, it. nobody wants to be on a ride. You got two hours worth of sleep and you're <laughs> doing a ride to the market or you're doing a ride, <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, my gosh, I can't. Mm-mm-mm. you're hungover it's 95 degrees oh my god! you get on the bike for six hours oh my goodness gracious uh and, and they give you props they're like oh Jay, you're an animal i can't believe you're out here but you like feel like shit you're not exactly. really moving fast it's kind of like and then the other thing is it takes you like it ruins your weekend it takes like yes. a day and a half to kind of get back to normal and that was the biggest thing about listening to the ring because when i listened to the ring i wouldn't have that i could go out the next day that two hours of sleep and doing things a little bit more limited on a Saturday meant I could go out and, and do things on Sunday too. Yeah. Whereas if I went out at 6 a.m. and didn't listen to the ring, I'd be like just on the couch all day on Sunday. <laughs> no shame. I, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Is there any advice you would offer to new cyclists or people thinking about getting into cycling? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Advice for new cyclists. Two things immediately come to mind. uh, And one, I think, is probably a lot more important than the other. The first thing by far to me is do the fucking knowledge. Pardon my French. Uh, but what that means is, is research things yourself. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of tech. Cycling is mostly a marketing machine. They're all trying to sell you stuff. Most of it is stuff you don't need. I promise you, uh, a lot of us buy it anyway. That's cool. But do your research and know what's right for you. Right. Like I was talking about the lazy questions. What's better? Garmin Wahoo. What's better? SRAM or uh, Shimano? What's better? you know, are, are really lazy questions. And so when I first started cycling, right, I have a technology background. I don't know if you know that about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm a little bit of a nerd and I have this analytical mind. I told you I kind of grew up poor. So I'm really like <laughs> not trying to waste money. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I do my homework is, is what I'm trying to say. When I first started cycling, I would ask these questions, right? And the biggest one to me was always Garmin versus Wahoo. And, uh, just as a tech guy, I'm looking at the specs, the hardware sheets, you know, what, you know, what, what, let's look at this on paper. And obviously I defer to people and ask real world experience. And what blew my mind about this in particular was so many people were like, dude, Wahoo, Wahoo is the best thing you can buy. And I'd be like, okay, that's, I understand what you're saying. Can you tell me more about that? <laughs> can you tell me why? And people would just be like, uh, you know, I don't know, man. That's that's what my buddy told me. <laughs> like, like that's not good research. And so, I want to be really clear. I'm not here to knock Wahoo, right? But, uh, but my point is more so. You got to decide what what you want, what's important to you, and then find out who delivers that, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's so many people just asking for someone else to tell them what to buy, and. For that person that told me Wahoo was the best thing ever, 
you know, it, it could very well be the best thing for that guy. But for me, after I did my research, I was like, there's no way I would want a Wahoo. I'm, I'm a Garmin dude. And I don't want to get into why, but long story short, it's just I saw things that I wanted that made sense for me that were important to me. And, and that was really clear that that's what I wanted to do. So I call it bro science. There's a ton of bro science out there. Like I said, the magazines, I told someone the other day, right? Cycling's fascinating because a, a bicycle fundamentally has not really changed in a hundred plus years. Yeah. But every year they change a little something on a bike and tell you, you have to have it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to buy a new bike this year because we added another cog. It's 12 speed now instead of 11. You have to buy a new bike because we put a disc brake on it or, or stuff like that. So I just think that there's an overwhelming capitalist marketing machine that's pushing all this stuff down. Yeah. There's a lot of swag and elitism. Uh, it's all flex, right? It's like, oh, Dura Ace, you got to have Dura. You can't have, you're shaming people for having 105. It's like, oh, you got 105. They, they look down on you. A lot of ego and flex involved. And I think that when it comes to elite athletes, on a globally competitive scale, then yeah, you know, that stuff matters. That tiny fraction of a percentage of being faster over 50 miles, you're three seconds faster. Okay, that, that makes sense, right? If that's your bread and butter. But for most of us, man, it's like the more I think about this stuff year after year, like none of this matters, man. You get a 70-year-old dude on a three-speed bike. <laughs> And he will drop the hell out of you on the mountain. He <laughs> rides that thing every day, right? And it's like, you can't buy speed like that. So if you yeah. like nice things, you want to look good, you want some swag, I get it. Uh, but but I think the real point is just do do your own research. Don't don't come in and have someone tell you, because they'll send you off. They'll tell you that you need this and you need that. And you probably don't need half of it. And mm -hmm. they'll tell you this sucks and that's great. And you like you're spending money on stuff. Like, know, know what you need and what your requirements are and, and go out there and get it. You know, I think that that that's the biggest thing for me. It's just don't follow people. It's a big, big cult, cult, per, cult of personality. I'm seeing, you know, where it's like, oh, you gotta have Rafa. You don't have Rafa. Oh, you gotta have. Uh, you seen the the Pod Normal Studio stuff now? It's like, oh, we're we're better than Rafa because this costs more. It's like, <laughs> does any of that stuff matter? Like, I don't. Maybe it does. Maybe you're the type of person that's like. I need the best material and the smallest seams. And I'm just saying, I'm not knocking any one thing. I'm just saying, yeah. do, do the knowledge to know what you're getting and make sure that you need it. And it's right for you. There are no globally right answers. Everybody's different, you know? And uh, the other thing I'd say is, uh, you know, if you're putting in some miles and you're feeling some pain, if you're putting in a lot of miles and you're, and you're feeling some pain, uh, get a bike fit. So cycling's expensive, bike fits are expensive, but uh, there's a reason why, you know, these guys get paid three, 400 bucks to, to adjust how you're sitting on your bike. It's because mm -hmm. it takes a lot of expertise. They dedicated their lives to, to figuring out these small things. So again, being a poor person, a skeptic of spending money on this sort of stuff, a DIY son of immigrants, I was like, I can figure this stuff out, you know, I'm on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, you know? but then you know after a while you, and you can you can solve most of them some people god bless them don't have any pain some people have a little bit of pain they can go in there and they can get you know 90 95 percent right if you have the right mindset and you're thinking about stuff and trial and error uh, but me i have a thing with my knee and i needed professional help ultimately and when i got it i was like god damn it why didn't i why didn't i get this help earlier so 
you know, I, I made an adjustment asking my friends, right? My friends are like, oh, your seat's too low. Bring it up some, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll do what they say. And uh, I went to see the fitter. And one of the first things I told him, oh, you know, I moved my seat up a little bit because my friend told me to. And it made my knee feel better. So I think I'm in, I'm getting in the right place. First thing dude does is lower it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, that's not right. Boom. And it was just like a punch in the chest of like, we don't know what the hell we're talking about. And so, you know, I told someone the other day, I said, you know, fitting is really sports medicine, right? Mm. It's really physical sports medicine. And if you look at it that way, if my friend Tay told me that she learned how to do this stuff on YouTube and she got me, that's not much different from my friend Tay telling me she was on WebMD and she be my doctor. Right? It's, like, it's just like so much disrespect to the, the knowledge that these people put in to learn this stuff, right? It's like, I get it. We're in this culture of like, oh, you know, everybody's trying to game you, the capitalist machine, the knowledge is out there. And I believe that for a lot of things. But some things you just got to respect the experience and the knowledge that people put in. And I think fitting is one of them. So, uh, and it doesn't apply to everybody. If you're not in pain, I say, don't worry about it. Right. And uh, if you're not putting in, you know, thousands of miles, I say, probably don't worry about it either. But especially for my people getting a little longer in the tooth, like me, uh, the older you get, like, I think that stuff just starts to add up for wear and tear. So. If you're feeling a little uh, inkling of pain or your hands are going numb or your neck's bothering you or something like that, it's a very complex topic. And I would say just beware asking the homies because people love to tell you with, <laughs> with a lot of confidence. Oh, the, the confidence in their answers is, oh, I know what's wrong. You need to raise your saddle and slam your stem. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Know who you're following, people. And so I think that fits on both both ends, right? When it comes to shopping, when it comes to tweaking stuff, just just know, like, know, know what you don't know and do the research and make sure you, you know, you're getting sound advice from people because people love kind of sounding like they know what they're talking about and they will lead you right off a cliff. <laughs> For real. No, you, you, you're right. You are right. <laughs> um, do you have any personal cycling goals for 2022? Oh, I don't want to say it because then it becomes real and then I have to be held accountable to it. Well, <laughs> um yeah so i always got some stuff going on right so i've I've always kind of rode a lot of miles that's kind of been my thing they call me the z2 diesel engine uh no not particularly fast heavy dude can go forever uh they love drafting behind me on the way to bear mountain as soon as we get to bear mountain you know they don't want to follow 220 <laughs> pound mo anymore they're 120 pounds they fly up the mountain and stuff uh and my goal initially, like I was telling you a little bit earlier, was to sort of uh, oh, keep yeah. track of where I'm going and cover more mm -hmm. new streets. So there's the goal to kind of cover as much of Brooklyn as I can in New York City. There's kind of a loose goal in general to just ride new places. Yeah. So now I'm like, I'll buy a plane to I'm buying a case for my bike. You want to go to California, you want to go to Utah, you want to, anyone got an idea to go do something cool? I'm probably down for that. Let's rent mm -hmm. a car. And there's so much stuff upstate, I think. First four years in New York, like New York City was very cool and interesting and new, but now I'm ready to kind of spread my wings a little bit. So that's, that's mm -hmm. a thing. But one thing I did, and this is what I didn't want to say, uh, because it's risky and there's a lot of, a lot of room for failure here, Tay, so I'm going to need your support. All but right. uh, I signed up, and, and again, I'm not a climber. I don't have a climber's body, 
I'm a, I got like a football player, rugby body. So I'm trying to shatter cycling stereotypes. Uh, I signed up for an event where you ride your bike from Venice to Milan in September. What? Through the Alps, 10,000 feet a day. And, uh, and I paid, paid for it with my miles. So it was, it was kind of funny, right? Like my buddy went last year and he's like, Oh, it's, it's paradise. It's the best thing ever. You know, he didn't want to ride his bike when he came back. He was depressed. He's like, I don't want to go out of New York. Everything's boring. <laughs> I was on a mountain. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, you know, I was telling my girlfriend at that time, I was like, you know, this guy, this guy wants to go do this thing. And, Maybe I should go do this. I don't know. And I kind of, you know, when you tell someone something mm-hmm. and you're kind of sure they're going to shoot it down. And so you just kind of say it so they can shoot it down. And you can move on with your life. <laughs> um, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you know what, dude? You're not getting any younger. <laughs> you should go and ahead and do it. She was like, if, if that's something that you want to do. Do it while you can. That's what yeah. she said. Do yeah. it while you can. Because the day is going to come, you know, you're not old, but the day is going to come where you're not going to be able to. Yeah. And so if that's something you're interested in, like, get it while you can. And I was like, well, shit, I didn't expect that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say don't do it. <laughs> so then I was like, okay. And I went and looked, and it just so happens that my credit card miles covers the flight. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I, I believe in destiny, Tay. I'm a, I'm a big believer in destiny and just kind of the, the will of the universe, mm-hmm. the path of least resistance. And so everything just started kind of falling in line. And I'm like, my form is actually pretty down. I've been working a lot the past eight, 10 months, just relentlessly. So like 2022 and the weather, right? I just, I don't have as many miles at this time of year that I, I've had in the past four years. And so I got a really uh, uphill battle, pun intended, to get into shape for September. And so that's that's my big goal is to kind of say, can I lose a bunch of weight again? Because I'm going to feel it on those mountains mm-hmm. and, and just become a climber. So my recipe this summer is like bare mountain repeats, alpine repeats, climbing, climbing, climbing. And uh, it's a lofty goal. And I think that uh, success is far from guaranteed. So I'm a little nervous about about this one, but uh, I put a stake in the ground. I, I you know I booked the I booked the flights. I got I got the little crew together, and um, I'm building a, a little weight weenie bike to be nice and light and climby. And now I just got to do the work. So that's my primary goal. I think if I, that's like lifetime bucket list type yeah. stuff. If I can get that done in September, I'm gonna be feeling really good. But right now, I don't know. I'm like seventy percent there, sixty percent. I don't know. <laughs> I got, I got work to do today. You want to go for a ride? <laughs> Listen, you got time. That please take a lot of photos, videos. That is going to be so dope. That's epic. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That's the plan. I'm I'm super excited and scared. So if you're not if you're comfortable, you're not growing. Yeah. And uh, I'm mighty uncomfortable about this. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good place to be, I guess. That's dope. Yeah, you got this. <laughs> How about you? What are you doing in 2022? What's what's your big checklist? Um, I'm actually doing a skate marathon in Minnesota. Actually, no. also in September. So, you know, what is it? 26.2 miles? Something yeah, like that. Awesome. Yeah, so i am got to prepare for that. And a bunch of just rides. I'm trying to get five. I want to do five centuries this, nice. this summer. 
um, and traveling. So traveling to, um, uh, what is it? Atlanta for one love going to Seagull. Nice. Just going places with my bike and, you know, experiencing yeah. that terrain. Yeah, you know? I saw you on the Strava. I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Rolling down Santa Monica Pier and all. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, everybody go moving around but me, man. I want to get on that mailing list. But if I, can, if I can help you with any of those centuries, let me know. I'm, like, all right. I'm happy. I'm going to be out there. All right. Definitely, definitely. That's dope. Thank you. Do you, yeah. do, you, do you have any last words? Uh, well, I, I, a lot of gratitude. Like I said, I'm super humbled that you even want to hear what I got you know, going on in my mind and learn more about me. I still can't believe that uh, people would find that interesting. So <laughs> thank you for having me, uh, I think, first and foremost. And uh, final words are really just to everybody out there. Do the knowledge. Anything is possible. Mm-hmm. absolutely anything is possible it's it's a mental game more than it's a physical game and so just have that mental resolve and don't let people talk you out of stuff don't follow people blindly you can do absolutely anything people say oh i don't know if i can ride 50 miles i don't know if i can ride 100 miles i don't know if i can you can do anything you put your mind to so if my 220 pound ass can climb up into the alps in the in the spring or in the fall like anybody can do anything and so so don't 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 limit yourself because nobody else can limit you. You can only limit yourself. Go out there and get it. You want to skate a marathon? Go skate a marathon. You want to... <laughs> Life is short, and yeah. the human body is absolutely amazing. Set yourself up for success and go get after whatever it is that you want, and you will get it. That's right. Everything that Mo just said. <laughs> All of that. <laughs> Got the cosign. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Thank you again for being a guest. On my podcast, I my really pleasure. appreciate it. Good luck with everything. You're gonna crush it. I believe. Thank it. you, thank you, thank you. And this is 2022. Yes, Congra- definitely. Congratulations on a year. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate yeah. it, right? Yeah. Episode 13 on the 13th. What? I told you it's gonna I be special. Him. I enjoy them. <laughs> I look forward to them. It's great stuff you're doing here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This is the Rolling with Tay podcast. I'm your host, Tasia, a.k.a. Tay, and thanks for listening. One more Rolling with Tay podcast? Well, follow on Instagram and Twitter at Rolling with Tay. Visit the blog, rollingwithtay.wordpress.com for more content, and be sure to sign up for the monthly newsletter. And lastly, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Rolling with Tay.